0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 69 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. How is everybody doing? Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Hope you find yourself doing well. Just a real quick uh, favor to ask, if you have a second, head on over to my YouTube, uh, Mandolins and Beer, if you type that into the YouTube search engine, and just hit subscribe. That would enable me to do some different live stream stuff that would not be reliant on the Facebook page. So so there's that. And then also, if you have a second you want to support the podcast, you can head over to my Patreon page. It's just $4 a month to support the podcast. And uh, very appreciative to those who have already done so. And there's also an $8 level as well. And that one has quite a few videos. I need to count that up. There's quite a few on there now. And what I try to do is post examples of some of the 10 minutes a day if they are applicable. I've got some different lessons on there as well, and they're, they're tabbed out if that is also something that goes along with the lesson. So go on over there and check that out. That'd be really awesome, especially with the holidays coming up and the gigs disappearing uh, until, until the new year. So, um, and speaking of supporting the podcast, I want to thank my sponsors. First up this week, Peghead Nation. They've got all the cool players, man. Sharon Gilchrist. Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. They've got killer videos, um, and they have all the instruments. If you play guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, mandolin, or bass, and bluegrass, old time, all the styles. All the styles, they're great. I love the website. Again, I was a subscriber before they were a sponsor. And if you're a mandolins a beer listener, you can join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now, and you get your first month for free. So just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code beer all one word, at checkout. Get yourself some of them high quality videos. I also want to thank Northfield Mandolins. Nuts build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com and download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, want to thank Ear Trumpet Labs. Ear Trumpet Labs, by the way, I just got one of the flat black Edwinas. Oh my gosh. Uh, be prepared to see some videos of that in action here soon. Um, Ear trumpet—they hand build microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed, have great feedback rejection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. And you can check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. That thing is a beauty, man. I hooked it up to uh, hooked it up to my Pro Tools. It sounds amazing, and actually just did a video that is on the Patreon page using it as well showing some uh showing some cool stuff and Ellis mandolins handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin Texas uh, Ellis Mandolins so thank you so much for my sponsors again they help make this possible every single week and I, I I can't thank them enough and I can't thank you guys enough for listening this week's guest Brian Oberlin is great. Um, I, I sample a lot of tunes. If you go to the Spotify playlist, Mandolin's of Beer has a Spotify playlist. There's a bunch of his tunes featured on there, and uh, he's got a killer Christmas album. As we're sliding into the holiday holiday times, go check that out. And actually, he's on Bandcamp as well with his band, Full Chord Bluegrass, and they have a new song on there uh, called Downtown that they just put out in 2020. That is, uh, I play a little snippet of here as well. So be sure to go there and support support. Brian's endeavors. Uh, and Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's get into the episode here with Brian. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy. Cheers,
1: everybody. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling ring ting tingling too Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you Come on, it's All right,
0: now it's my pleasure to welcome to, to the podcast Mr. Brian Overland. Brian, how are you, buddy? Hello, hello, podcast people and you, Daniel.
2: It's so <laughs> awesome to be here.
0: Man, it's awesome to have you. You're, uh, you're over there on the uh, west side, the most beautiful side of my home state, Michigan. Uh, how, how's the weather today over there?
2: It's not bad. It's uh, The wind is blowing in from the west. <laughs> the snow is about is about to melt, and it's pretty standard for for November weather here.
0: So you've had snow already?
2: Yep, just today.
0: Wow, it's wild. And you just you opened a uh, instrument repair shop there in Grand Rapids just recently.
2: I did. Yeah, let's the, talk
0: about that real quick. The
2: refinery. Well, I've I've always loved working on instruments, man. I mean, stringed instruments. That is. I built a guitar long ago and it's just a hobby of mine. And I was like, well, why not, you know, make it a little, turn it into a, to a business, you know, while I'm COVID down timing. So, so yeah, I love making instruments the best that they can be, you know, Uh, just minor setup. I'm not really interested in neck resets or anything, but just, you know, Setting them up and making them making them great as they can be.
0: Yeah. A lot of people might not realize sometimes a simple setup is all you really need to to make your mandolin feel completely different, especially if you purchase like a instrument online. Right. Yes. You know? Yeah. And yeah. this is the best time to do it. If you're if you're in this downtime, if you're a performing musician, you know, you're not using your instrument to make any money. <laughs> Bring that thing in, get it set up. <laughs> right yeah at least it'll play at least it'll play well yeah oh that's cool well you kind of and you kind of have a lot going on man uh, besides this repair shop uh you get ready to record another album with full chord bluegrass
1: 3 going on beside your cell yeah, I
2: yeah, I am super friend. excited about that. That's a fantastic band. I've been playing with these guys for for going on three years now, and uh, we're a five-piece band, and we're doing almost all original. This is the second album since I've been with them that we're that we're doing, and it's nearly all originals. And the band is just so fun. And, you know, it's nice being in a band with a bunch of guys that, you know, we all have the same vision and we're all doing, we're all working together. It's anybody who's been in a band know that that can sometimes be difficult, but this is a, this is a real streamlined band and we're loving it.
0: Oh, that's great. And how many albums you have an? Unbelievable about uh, unbelievable amount of albums you've recorded. Yeah,
2: it's weird. <laughs> it, it,
0: it it it
2: is <laughs> this this will be. I'm I'm a stats person, so I actually keep track of all this crazy stuff. This will be album number twenty three for me.
0: That is outrageous, man. <laughs> yeah. How cool. Yeah. Of all those, hopefully
2: when this one comes out, that means I'll sell 23 albums.
0: (laughs) Don't I know that? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so cool, though, man. And you have a Christmas album. Your Christmas album's fantastic.
1: Dear, but don't buy me no presents dear because all I want for Christmas so we're getting there it's the holidays thanksgiving is in two
0: days so this is a perfect time for somebody to go out and buy your Christmas album
2: yeah yeah I I I used to really love Christmas music I I mean I still do really love music uh Christmas music it was uh, you know the old swing standards you know let it snow and stuff and and I actually delved into a lot of those tunes you know learning the uh with those old swing tunes you know learning the verse generally the chorus is is what we're used to hearing but you know those those verses are fun like uh um this uh what is it in Let It Snow is uh, it starts out this you know, the snowman in the yard is frozen hard and it's all dark and despair. It's in F minor and, <laughs> you know, and then and then it gets into some, some some lively hop and swing music. So
1: sorry, sign to see and if he had a brain well he'd complain I bet he wishes he were me Oh the weather outside is frightful but the fire is so delightful and since we know yeah, yeah that that
2: was a that was a great album. I actually recorded that album in February, which is a very weird time to record Christmas music.
0: <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> like to get like a recording studio gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it just it just didn't time out right. But you know, I, I was I was glad to be done with the album because I was like, this is weird to to try to really get into the music in February, but but i but i did it and and yeah i'm proud of that album that's a good one
0: that's a great one and it's solo and it and one of the things that just blows my mind about you is you would if it didn't say solo swing it would, it might take you a minute to figure out that you're the only person um playing and and singing because your arrangements and your playing are just so good man <laughs> Well, thanks man. Thanks. In regards to that, I've
2: I always try to, to try to get as many different chord voicings as possible. Like it's it's funny when students will ask, you know, how do you play a, a C chord, you know, and and then I'll and then the next lesson they show up and they'll be like, "Well, yeah, but you said it was this." you know, now you're showing me a different one. And and what I really want to say is, look, I mean, there's like an endless amount of (laughs) C chords. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, even if you just want to call a chord an interval of two notes, which I do, you know, I, 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 I move around as much as possible. I will get, if there's two measures of C, I will move it you know, get, get as much ground out of that C chord as much as I can to fill up the holes. So rather, you know, so it doesn't sound like just a, a mandolin playing chop chords.
0: Sure. When you're, when you're sitting down with like an arrangement, like, let's say like a let it snow and you're looking at like a chord chart, I'm not even sure if that's what you use, but are you, are you trying to avoid the melody that you're going to be singing over those songs when you're coming up with those chords or do you kind of take that into effect when you're, you know, when you're trying to think of ways to play. So let's, let's say you're facing two bars of C and you're like, well, I'm, you know, I need to play a couple different things here. You know, how do you approach that?
2: Hmm. You know, I've, I've never consciously avoided melody notes. I think I've often just kind of got lucky in that way, in the way that I, Um, the way that I voice the chords, if it does happen, I will, yeah, I I, I will, I will not try to play exactly the melody. Rather, um, you know, get a swing and note along with it, like add the six or, or the nine or, or I mean, any of those intervals that sounds nice against it, um, I'll try to get it in there. But, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I'm delving into those charts, it's, it's more about how can, if, if the melody has a motif, uh, you know, I will attempt to mirror that a little bit with my right hand and left hand. Um, you know, something like that with the, with the chords or something. So, so yeah. And I do look at charts. Absolutely. Um, when I'm rehearsing and then of course, once to get it in my ear and in my heart and in my head, I, I don't look at a chart at all, but
0: yeah, that's the, uh, that's the key right there. I find. Real, real tough to memorize when you're, if you just keep looking at that (laughs) piece of paper.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't work for me.
0: And you mentioned students in there and you're doing Skype lessons. So if people, uh, if people want to uh, try to figure out some of these secrets and as I play some of your tunes, as we're going through this, uh, as I edit the podcast, as we're talking about things and they're going to hear playing and if they're not familiar with your playing, uh, you know, it's, it's, outstanding man and it's a little bit different than what you know than what you would think of a of a guy who's playing solo mandolin and singing it's it's awesome it's unexpectedly awesome just cuz you see solo mandolin and singer and you you have this vision in your head and that is not <laughs> that is not the uh the oral thing that you get out of it it is so cool man nice well, well thanks yeah. thanks a lot thanks. yeah absolutely and then just go to your website is that where you where they can sign up for lessons mandoberlin.com
2: Yeah, yeah, they can send me an email and um yeah. Yeah, send me an email and I I'd, I'd love to to teach people what I know.
0: But you've also got a couple other things still going on. So on top of these things you got a mandolin orchestra also that you just started up over in Michigan.
2: That's right. The the second mandolin orchestra i've started it's called the michigan mandolin orchestra and very proud of that it we just started last year 2019 that is and of course this year is is (laughs) snafu'd, and (laughs) but uh But it's, it's really fun. It's a, it's a small little orchestra. I think we were up to about 16 members, but, but um, anybody who's been part of a mandolin orchestra knows that it's, it's so much fun because the, because the folks are, are, are darn dedicated and, you know, for them, it's a hobby for most of them. It's a, it's a really fun hobby and they really practice and, yeah, we were also doing a, one of the tunes, one of the new tunes that we've got going on is uh, is an arrangement of Danny Elfman's This Is Halloween. Boys and girls of every age
1: Would you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see
0: and then as if you don't have enough going on with that you've also got a live stream coming up on december 6th uh at 4 p.m i'm guessing eastern that's right yeah and what's that one about that's uh, a duo you have yeah that's i'm playing
2: with this really great bass player her name is sally bacon and she is just fantastic and we're doing some um we're playing a Ros- the Rossini duetto for uh, bass and cello. Of course, I'm playing the cello part on mandolin, and and the bass part is is pretty darn difficult, and she just nails it. So we're doing that, and then we're doing some some Tchaikovsky Nutcracker that I arranged for us, and some Peter Rostrushko and some original tunes. So yeah, it's really fun. So I'm super excited about that.
0: So how did you how did you get into mandolin?
2: Mandolin. Hmm. Well, it's because my name rhymes with mandolin. That's pretty much the only reason. It's a whole stage thing.
0: So is that your real no. last name? Let's start there.
1: You're right. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. I got into
2: Mandolin in um well, I had first heard Mandolin when I was in high school. I was listening to a you know, I graduated high school in nineteen ninety four and in the early nineties I was my hair band was Diamond Rio. Oh nice. Yeah. And I heard this instrument in there and it you know i was like what is that you know that i didn't know it was tremolo but you know what is that sound and i looked in the liner notes and there's mandolin so that that was kind of the first seed that was planted i was like that's pretty cool i
1: don't know While it's over but it is i don't know where it comes from
2: it's on. and um by that time i was learning guitar or i was playing guitar and you know trying to be crosby stills and nash with my buddies and i played drums in a in a trio rock band we thought we were primus (laughs) oh sweet and uh (laughs) yeah yeah it was uh it was fun in fact i've always loved uh my history of playing with drums because i think it did so much for my rhythm and
0: stuff actually you're not the first drummer that i've had on here or the first person who started out as a drummer I'm always I I guess I'm never surprised when somebody says they were a drummer because it is such a rhythmic instrument we now play.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the the polyrhythms and stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, I played drums for for a time and then 20 years old I had heard from a friend two albums, the the bluegrass class of 1990 which was on Rounder and then also the Dillard's collection called There is a Time. two albums just blew me away you know I was like good lord this whatever this music is it's awesome you know (laughs) then I found out it was (laughs) found out it was bluegrass and I proceeded to um, to kind of get into all the different instruments I had acquired you know a fiddle a banjo, a dobro, a mandolin, and I screwed around on all of them, uh, even a, a a mandola. Did you as well. really? Wow. Yep. Yeah. So I screwed around on all those,
0: and the mandolin easily prevailed. <laughs> Do you remember what model, uh, what kind of mandolin it was? The first one.
2: Yeah, darn it! And I wish I had it. It was uh, it was an Epiphone. Yep. Oh no!
0: Okay, and, cool.
2: Yep, not the ones that plug in. It was just a, you know, just an Epiphone. But yeah, I even recorded an album. I recorded on a couple of albums or a couple of songs on on an album.
1: Oh,
0: neat.
2: It does. It, it it's not worth listening to, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's how i got that's how i got things going and um proceeded to just go down this road of uh i i went in head first for bluegrass absolutely i i went to every single bluegrass festival i could in the west michigan area mm-hmm. meeting all these people i had i made myself a bluegrass songbook. oh cool Yeah, like, because I had seen a bluegrass songbook, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I had all these, I started acquiring all these cassettes and CDs, mostly cassettes. So I painstakingly went through every one, every song, typed out the lyrics on a typewriter, (laughs) and wrote in the chord changes. And, yeah, yeah. Caught wow. myself
0: bluegrass. Holy cow, man. The old a typewriter. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I I still have that book. I mean, it's probably about a hundred songs. Did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite at the time that was just like, you know, you go to a jam, like, what do you want to play, Brian? You're like, oh, I know exactly what I want to play.
2: <laughs> I remember I really liked the old home place. I cool yep. I, I really liked how it, how it went to that flat three or sharp two chord or no, 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 it doesn't go to the flat. Wait, where does it go? No, it goes to the three. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, yeah, folks, I'm ge- a good teacher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's jazz, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been playing that flat three in old home plays now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's a lot of songs to have in your head, man. It's completely acceptable to, to say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so did you go to school for music after, like after high school and stuff? I did not. No. Really? Nope. Cuz you 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 got a lot of complex things going on and and you know like you've done books and you know you're playing this you got like Italian music and a lot of that stuff is not traditionally tabbed out. How in the heck did you teach yourself so much about like writing writing down music and different things like that and all this cool all these cool chord changes? Mhm.
2: Well, what I failed to mention is in high school, I I did play alto saxophone and I was pretty darn good at it. So I, um, so that was my, you know, I knew how to read music and, uh, about the same time, you know, four or five years after, or, you know, while into bluegrass playing mandolin, I had heard of. A couple different things that sort of changed my life. Um, I heard the Mando Boys, Peter Ostrushko and the Mando Boys. (laughs) also came across um, a book of Haydn string quartets, uh, Opus 54. Somebody, because somebody had told me, you know, you can do all that stuff on mandolin, mandola, and mandocello, and I was like, no way. So, um, and then at the same time, I had also discovered Jethro Burns and Tiny Moore and Bob Wills, and so I kind of I had decided that bluegrass was great, and that I would always play it, but you know my new passion became swing mandolin and you know learning to read ma- music on the mandolin and and going that route so um so yeah that that just made me really study music um i would give my <laughs> i would quiz myself on on uh, on music theory. in fact, one of the great books that I read was um, and I saw it on Facebook the other day, was Modern Mandolin Theory by Thomas Ohmsen. And that was a great book. I would I basically created a course for myself out of that. And then, yeah, and I and I bought some other texts from like uh i think it was a university of texas textbook of um, um composition and stuff so i've just kind of taught myself all these things and uh over the years yeah to make it because uh, i'm i'm really concerned you know well not concerned i i'm it's really important to me that like, that if I give somebody a chart that, you know, it's accurate and, you know, so I wanted to make sure that if I'm going to pass on music, that it's going to be accurate, not only for myself, but for anyone else.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, put together a couple of mandolin orchestras, you know, <laughs> it's, that's well, amazing. yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, that's just amazing <laughs> to me. You know, I mean, that's, it's got to be a ton of work. Yeah. Yep. Man, you yeah. One, well, one self-motivated guy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. So then, so did you know, like, mandolin was gonna be what you wanted to to do for for a living? Um,
2: not when I first started playing the instrument. Absolutely not. No. Um, in fact. I was going to college to be a, a teacher. I had two things in mind. I was going to be like a, a fireman or EMS, um, or, um, or excuse me, EMT, whatever they call them. Um, or like a elementary school teacher, but, um, I was going to school a little bit and working jobs and, just kept playing mandolin and kept getting better at music. And I was, yeah, so probably five, six years into it, I was thinking, boy, I could, I could do this. I I joined a band and I was making a lot more money with the band than I was anything else. So yeah, got fired from my job (laughs) because,
0: because I was showing up late. So what kind of music were you playing uh i was
2: playing with a band called grasshopper
0: oh god that's a sweet was, name
2: yeah that was that was my my first professional band And boy, we worked a lot. it was a it, it is a great band. We still do play shows occasionally. It was uh me on electric mandolin uh, on one of those harmony bat wings.
0: Oh wow, cool
2: yep, and an electric bass player and my buddy Glenn House plays. <laughs> With his left foot, he plays a kick drum. With his right foot, he plays a hi-hat. He plays a right-handed guitar, left-handed. And he straps a harmonica on. He sings and plays leads and plays rhythm all simultaneously.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: So he got paid the same, though. But... (laughs) 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 But that was our trio, and yeah, sometimes we we worked with a with a flute sax player as well, and uh, occasionally a percussionist. But but uh, yeah, two thousand
0: one we started,
2: and I haven't turned back since.
0: Nice. Was that a Bill Monroe tribute band? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We. I think the only Billman Road tuning we did was Sweet Blue-Eyed Darling. Oh, Sweet though. <laughs> no wait,
0: we did Uncle Penn, too. I oh, believe. did you really? Yep. Another classic. Yep. So that's that was still in in Michigan at the time?
2: Yes. Yep. Yeah, we were uh, based in Grand Rapids and then in 2005 we moved to Portland, Oregon.
0: Oh, cool. And and then uh what 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 happens after that? When do you start doing all these, all these releases, uh, you know, the solo releases, um,
2: 2005. So yeah, the, the band went out to Portland. We had, it was a three piece band and two of the guys wanted to go to Portland and I wanted to go to Austin, Texas. But, uh, so, so the band went to Portland and which was great because Portland's a, is a, is a great city. I moved out there. the The band had quickly disbanded, unfortunately, when we got out there. But that prompted me to get into, you know the the other things that I really loved, you know, those those other like you know, the Western swing with Bob Wills and Tiny Moore and Swing Mandolin and the classical stuff. So I had uh, met a guy out there, Mark Pettys. We started a really cool band, a trio called Ida Viper. All over the West Coast out there, and Paul Anastasio was was with us for a while on fiddle, and um, yeah, did that. And then, of course, the the classical bug hit me as well, and I decided with my ex wife we had started the Oregon Mandolin Orchestra, and we went in partnership with a with a with a cultural arts center out there and we started that orchestra in 2009 and boy I had to really learn uh, a a lot of new things I remember (laughs) watching you know watching YouTube just to actually learn how to conduct you know and you know most of it came or a lot of it Came fairly easy, especially if you're playing a march or, you know, a polka or something like that. It's just kind of, you know, I, I had a good ear for what it's supposed to sound like and what I wanted it to sound like. But, you know, then you get to Samuel Barber's Adagio for strings. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, like, you know, I was lost as to how to even conduct that or how to lead a 20 to 25 piece mandolin orchestra on that, but I figured it out and yeah, it was, it was a great time. They, they continue to have great success out there with the
0: mandolin orchestra. How in the world do you start a mandolin orchestra? I mean, 25 that's, that's, it's impressive. (laughs) Well, I had a, a large,
2: uh, student contingent out there in Portland, you know, with my mandolin camps. I I had started the the River of the West mandolin camp out there in uh, Corbett, which is just east of Portland. So I knew a lot of people from that, and then you know, just teaching, mostly teaching. I I taught with a community college out there, and then with some music stores. And so I recruited through that. And then as far as the music goes, I was, you know, it, it, it's a really great community. The mandolin orchestra community, uh, the Seattle mandolin orchestra really helped me out. They gave me a bunch of, um, music and, um, uh, I acquired some, I went to, you know, libraries and found some stuff. And yeah, you just, I think, I think now my library is up to almost 300 pieces of, of music. And of course I'm forgetting there was a mandolin orchestra in Portland called the Portland mandophonic. So some of the members of that orchestra joined uh, my new orchestra and they had some music as well. So Yeah. So, yeah, you just put the music on your on your stand, and one, two, three, four. Here we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Meet you at the end. How long do you um like? What's the average rehearsal period before you for a performance for something like that?
2: I like to do. 10 to 12 rehearsals uh, for, for a concert series. That's what, that's what I had figured out worked best. Um, you know, it's not... And then if you rehearse every other week, and then as you get closer to the concert, we would rehearse every week. So, you know, it's like a three- or four-month prep for a concert series... And, you know, and that's putting together an hour and 20 minutes worth of music. And, um, and that's a lot, you know, but it's, but it's not enough to fill like, you know, a two set show. So I would often, you know, fill that in with other things with, you know, I would do some solo stuff or some small chamber stuff with me and, you know, one two or three or four other people some of the the really great players in the in the orchestra and we would just play some stuff
0: so and yeah then, speaking of the solo stuff when did you start doing some of the solo um, gigs with just you and the mandolin and then singing over that and again this isn't just campfire chords GC and D. And, you know, <laughs> singing, singing three verses and taking a solo. This is some complex stuff.
1: Do I want you, oh my. Do I honey? Did I do, do I it do was me, do boy,
2: I, I was busy around that time because I was gonna say my that first solo album came out in two thousand eleven, maybe? No, maybe twelve. It was about that same time. I had um
0: Is that solo swing? Yeah,
2: yep, that's the Solo Swing album. I think that was 2011 or 12.
0: Um, Looks like 2011. Um, trusty trusty iPad here to my left as we're talking. <laughs> nice, excellent, okay. Yeah,
2: so, <laughs> so yet one more endeavor I, I picked up there. I had always wanted to to have a, to have a solo thing. Um, but I didn't want to play guitar, you know, like that's kind of what you hear is the, the solo musician with a guitar. And I did that a little bit in, in Grand Rapids in Michigan rather, um, earlier. And I wanted to do it with mandolin. So I, um, by this time I had listened to a lot of, Western swing and swing music and a lot of, you know, some of my favorite mandolin players, um, you know, like Evan Marshall and, 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 and Don Sternberg. And, and I tried to incorporate some of what they had going on into solo playing, you know, just filling up the space as much as possible and and I knew that 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 would in you know I would have to have you know some some good chord chops, not chops as in mandolin chops, but chops as in skills,
0: mm-hmm, sure
2: um, <laughs> um, And I started really working on my singing, which was which was a fun thing to do, like. I um I realized that well that's half the show right there is my singing. So I I, I took my singing to the next level too. You know, I'm a, a huge fan of of Tommy Duncan and Tony Rice and Merle Haggard and George Jones and I mean it it goes on and on. I mean I'm a huge fan of Andreas Scholl, who's a who's a great Operatic singer, um, so I put all that together with um, if if my voice wasn't doing it, then the mandolin was, and and still to this day, if I play a solo show, which I haven't done in forever, like if there's a blank spot, it really irks me. So. <laughs> You know, and it and it's not that I'm afraid of space because I love space. I, I I love there to be some some uh, some breathing room, but yeah, like unnecessary empty space is not is not what I wanted at all. So,
0: well, you do a great job of. I mean the 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 songs don't sound busy to me, even though they are busy you know does that make sense like yeah there's a lot going on but it's not distracting it's you know it's like what how in the world (laughs) yeah i think perhaps some of that is attributed to
2: the fact that i'm it's it's not all huge chord movements you know it's it's little what i call tiny chords or, or mini chords you know i'm uh if it goes from a G to a C, then I'm going to try to do at least three or four things in between there, whether they be bluesy or augmented or just, you know, maybe just a little lick. So, um, yeah, I'm not doing like a, like eddie peabody like <laughs> you know like
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: like full-on four four string chords so
0: yeah and then it was your tune um it's on that first album too it was carbondale um that was the that was the award-winning tune that you that you had won was that the walnut then at walnut that you won that with that one yeah yep great tune <laughs>
1: Up along the quiet highway at the top of this mountain pass Red canyon below where the eagles go to live around Mount press And in the valley low, the people go and listen to the radio In the valley high, Granny resides with her sherry-cutting puzzles Oh, I don't want to sleep in a preacher's bed, it's too small and pure for me I want a bed big enough for me and my gal to squeeze and fall asleep. Where the river's meet and the sage is sweet and luck never fail. Now, baby, let's take
2: that truck and run to Carbondale.
1: Thanks, man.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I've had a little success with that number.
0: And you mentioned Evan Marshall. Uh, you you also did an album with Evan Marshall. <laughs>
2: I did yes i'm like one of the luckiest guys in the whole world like uh most of my mandolin heroes have turned into my good friends so that's so um, awesome i know like yes like the first couple shows i'm like shaking in my boots but you know after a few years of knowing these cats you know it's just it's just like knowing anybody any of your your good friends you know you just go out and play the show yeah i uh, doing that album with evan marshall was is is a highlight for me yeah he's he's fantastic
0: you you mentioned you know like him and Don and you're like you're the perfect combination of the two of those guys. <laughs> your solo stuff, especially. I mean, you, it, when, <laughs> when you said both those names, like that makes that's that's like a great example of of your type of playing. You know, the solo stuff, but you know, jazzy and 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 progressions that that are like shouldn't sound like the one guy's playing them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's so fun to um i've gotten to a point in those solo shows where you know when you're in a band you can really stretch out right mm-hmm. and and it's in and, and you know you know your solo's coming up and you're like you know maybe just playing chop chords and you're thinking about okay well my solo is going to come up and I'm going to try to do this or try to do that. But when you're, uh, when you do it as a solo thing, it it's boy, it it is just instantaneous. You just have to run and gun. And, and I kind of had gotten in the live, you know, th- that doesn't really come through in so much of the studio stuff. Cause I kind of had that figured out, but in the live shows I would, uh, almost you know go near sabotage like all right well what (laughs) if i do (laughs) what if i do this and then can i play out of it and to me that was just that is so much fun you know like it adds a component of you know danger to it almost and you know if if I can hit it 90% of the time or 95% of the time, you know, the, the the crowd usually reacts and sees what, you know, they see what I'm doing. They see that I'm having fun. And yeah.
0: Yeah. They, that's where the magic is, man. That's what I always say. Hendrix and, and Monroe had a lot more in common than people would ever expect. Because if you listen to live recordings, both those guys go for it 100% of the time. They might, yeah. They, they might not always get there, you know, but they're not afraid of that. That's that's just that's part of doing business for him. <laughs> it's for when when right. they hit it, it's it's magic. Mm-hmm. Another cool tune that I love of yours too that's on Troubadour is Landslide. <laughs>
1: Heartbeats ringing like a bell. Now my heart is And I, I thought when,
0: uh, you know, obviously when I first saw it, I was like, oh, is this that Fleetwood Mac tune? Nope. <laughs> but it's killer. <laughs> nice. So, Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, so how do you go about, for, you know, for people who are listening, we've talked a, a few things. You know, I know it's tough to really describe it, you know, without a, an instrument in the hand and different things like that. But when you're when you're talking about like going to that G and C chord um or 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 writing and different things like that, are there some some techniques that you kinda use that are that you might be able to explain to people to kinda get them steering in this direction? I mean the first thing they need to do is listen to these albums and and um, you know, put their ears on what we're talking about. And if somebody wanted to sit down and maybe attempt some of these things you know, what? what's some advice? So, yeah, to answer your question about, you, you just mentioned
2: something about how would you move and how could I, you know, put some insight on that. And I just thought about, like you mentioned, Landslide. And Landslide was, was my own personal answer to Russian lullaby. Oh,
0: wow, yeah. Because in,
2: in my solo shows, I always... I would always start, well, often, I would start my solo show with Russian lullaby, because it's in D minor, and it's...
0: You started with it? <laughs> Holy yeah. Holy moly.
2: <laughs> well, it, it for some reason, that tune just falls under my fingers and my voice oh, just okay. cool. perfectly. <sighs> nice. Right?
0: Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. A, that's a heck of a starting tune. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean it's an easy loper, you know, it's <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorites. I love Irving Berlin. So um but I wanted another tune in D minor. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's why I wrote <laughs> Yeah, it's it it means nothing other than the key. Hey, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> This song means nothing to me other than D minor. (laughs) No. And, um, but yeah, I wanted a tune in D minor and, um, but thinking about how I move about in D minor, you know, like, um, when I think about what I can do in D minor, of course, is, um, are the, are the diatonic movements, right? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, if you take, I, I figure the top of D minor, this little D minor ladder is, and meaning if you are going on the third fret of the D string and the fifth fret of the A string, so you've got F and D on the inside strings there, so that's the bottom of the ladder. The top of that ladder is is an F chord, an A and an F, the seventh fret of the D and the eighth fret of the A. Right. So, um, and then everything in between there is either you can keep it either diatonic. You can go, you know, the half diminished, uh, two chord. Um, but really it's just, like I said, you can go diatonic or or just do whatever you want there. Um, as long as it's musical, as long as it fits. So, so I, my, you know, the, the easiest way to move down that would be if you're, if you're a and F at the top of the ladder, move down to G and E, G and E. I wish I had a mandolin in my hand (laughs) at G and E. Right, and then F and D. So that would be the easy. That would be the easy route, right? Uh, the the sonorous or easiest on the ear route. But everything in between there is fair game to me, you know. Especially that uh, if you can slide in the E flat or something, the, the flat nine. So those are some of the things that I think about. So it's a D minor chord that lasts for two bars but boy you can dance around it for just a tiny bit. It doesn't have to be a big four string chord. It's just a little it's just a little dance with with a couple of strings.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to so, great way to look at it, little bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about gear. I mean, well, the other thing is this, you know, not that it's all about gear. It's obviously technique and such. Your tone's phenomenal. What do you? Uh, what, what's what's your gear situation look like? What do? You, what's your main axe?
2: I play a two thousand six, uh, Collings MF five varnish. Oh wow! I actually I bought that mandolin sight unseen, if you can believe it. Like, um. Yes. Founded on eBay. This was right after, uh, this was in 2009. It was a music store in Pennsylvania. This guy had turned his entire music store into uh, an eBay store and it was perfect. You know, it had the nickel tuners. It didn't have anything fancy. It was just, you know, just a varnish Collings mandolin. I had played enough Collings mandolins to know that they were, that they're pretty darn consistent. So bought it sight unseen showed up, gave it a little setup and yeah, I'm in love with it. Oh, that's great. Yep, It's a pretty good mandolin. And, uh, I played with, you know, I've always been a fan of the Daddario J 74s. I've tried the, 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 um, the coded strings. I, I never really, I never really liked them. I, I, I don't think they sound bad. I just I, I never I never got on to them. Um and in fact about 7 years ago I've started using the Thomastik um heavy strings. Oh, no kidding. Tem- yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, I use the Tomastic, They call them Stark. But it's the it's the heaviest set that Tomastic makes now it's it's funny because you know a tomastic heavy is you know is is more of a european heavy the the g string is a is a like a 30 um six oh, i really? think yeah yep and the e string is about a uh, is an i think it's a 10 or an 11 oh wow and the a string is wound
0: oh is it really yeah
2: Oh, yeah. So I started playing those. And. uh, I I did that when I started to to get ready for my classical solo mandolin album, the Italian thing, Um, just because I, I wanted a softer tone. I didn't I didn't want that jangly sound on the g and d strings i didn't so much mind the a and e but i wanted a softer g and d approach and and those are perfect and i was a little concerned that they wouldn't work for other things but yeah i just keep playing them and (laughs) they work luckily my mandolin's a cannon so you know it um so the, the G and D strings still do pop. You know, they don't pop like phosphor bronze strings, but but I, oh man, they feel great. I love those strings. What about picks? I use a blue chip. I use two different blue chip picks. I have a 45, um, I think they call it TP, which is just the triangle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, I use that for bluegrass and swing, and then I use a thirty-five for when I play classical. Oh, cool! And they're and they're both no bevel.
0: Oh, really? Wow.
2: Yep. Because I, I hold my pick in a weird way. Yeah, Mike Marshall tried to get me to hold my pick differently, but I just can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I mean, he's he's the master, but I can't do it.
0: Well, this has been a this has been a great time so far. I got a couple more questions here for you. And, yeah, man. Um, the first one is is the ten minute a day question, which is if you had ten minutes a day to recommend something that somebody could work on to get better, because again, not everybody's got you know uh, the time to play mandolin as as professional mandolin players, but they still want to get better. What would you recommend?
2: So yeah, for ten minutes a day, something that I think, you know, is to keep your is to keep the the playing fun, right? If you get into playing scales all the time, I mean, scales are wonderful. I play scales all the time, but some people maybe don't get into that. So to make it fun, to make music fun, because that's what it is. I think doing. Um, like if you're looking at a chart and it's okay to look at a chart to do this. Um, if you can do it by just memory, that's even better. But to look at a chord chart, say like an easy tune that has like a one, uh, one six two five, or say you're doing, um, sweet Georgia Brown. So, it starts if we're doing that song in the key of F, you're gonna play a D chord, a D seven. So play that D seven, no time, don't worry about your metronome, don't worry about any of that. D seven. Play a D seven arpeggio. Go D, F sharp, A, C, D, E. That's ascending. And now and then you include the nine, right? And then and then go then do it descending from the nine, go E down to C down to the A down to F sharp, and then down to D. So dance around D seven, play a little lick in D seven, play your favorite lick in D seven. Now that you've spent 10 seconds doing that, move on to the next chord, which is G seven. Play the chord, play a lick, get around G seven, understand and feel what g7 is then do the same thing on the next chord c7 f do that for all for all the chords you know understanding who they are where they are what they feel like what you're comfortable playing differentiating d from f right don't play this whole business that well d7 is just a g scale with the blah blah blah, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that. <laughs> D7 is D7, right? Um, so please play D7, think D7, and then play the actual tune in real time and try to insert some of the things that you've just did. And please make mistakes. If you're making mistakes, you're you're doing a good thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's a great one, man. Thanks, yeah. If I have any prep time going like, oh, what's this? B minor 7 here. What what can we do here on this to, to get out of G for a second, you know? Right. Yeah. Yep, and sometimes those mistakes yeah. end up working out all right. <laughs> they do, they do. I wish, I wish they ended up working out correctly a lot more
2: <laughs> right. than they usually do. But for sure, I, yeah, I would. I actually, even if it sounds okay, I just wish it didn't feel so disheartening.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> The worst. Yeah. As long as you play it off all right, sometimes you can get away with it and be like, hey. But it's that dejected look on your face. And it's like, ah. Oh. It's, not, right. it's actually not even for me. It's not usually the face. It's just my mouth going, like, oh. That's, the, right. that's usually the giveaway. Or oops. Yep oh man <laughs> and then the final question it's not a beer question you're not a beer guy so that's that's my my backup question is if you were to pick up your mandolin right now what tune would you play
2: i would probably play an irving berlin number because i've been going through an irving berlin song book um which is really fun uh he wrote so many good tunes and um yeah, I would probably play Blue Skies, <laughs> oh, yeah. honestly. Nice. You know, because that, it's it's one of the, you know, he wrote so many great chord progressions, and that, that E minor to E minor major 7, E minor minor 7, you know, dun, 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 dun. it's that E minor that goes from, yeah, it's four different E minors. And it ends on an E minor 6. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that chromatic climb from the E down to the C sharp. Right. I love that. Yeah, so, it's cool. Yep. Finding finding uh fun scales and and fun chord things that go with that.
0: Well, people people should sign up for lessons with you. You are a, you're a busy dude, but I'm sure you got time for some students and you got some cool concepts I think people could learn from. Man, that is for sure this has been a pleasure talking with you
2: man it is uh yeah it was really nice meeting you i can't wait to meet you in person some of these days and we'll play we'll
0: you know we'll pick some tunes that'd be awesome man well brian thank you so much
2: yeah daniel thank you man this has been fantastic and uh yeah i'm i'm honored to be part of the the mando cast and uh yeah thank you so much for having
0: me it's an honor to have you All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you got a second, just head on over to the YouTube, the Mandolins of Beer YouTube, and hit subscribe so I can get that subscriber number up. And um, also, if you you want to support the podcast, head over to the Patreon page. You can sign up as a $4 patron, or you can sign up as the $8 patron, and you can then get yourself some videos and tabs for some of the 10-minute-a-day ideas and all sorts of other stuff. There's quite a few videos up there now and uh, tablatures, so check it out. And uh, cheers, everybody. And Have a happy good Thanksgiving. Luck came a
1: knocking at my door. Skies were gray, but they're not gray anymore.